So I'm going to do an intro. <laughs> which, is, right. which is like really not usually our style, but we feel like we have a really big interview right now. So. I'm so nervous. Oh Much nerves. It. Okay. Okay. So I, I did draft this like outline, which was the most professional thing that we've ever done for our podcast. We've literally done nothing ever, so this is, you're special. I'm just going to, I thought we were just going to chill and hang out. We are just going to chill and hang out, okay. except oh, for this yeah. one part. Except for this one part where I'm going to very intensely interrogate you, and then okay, Chelsea will, it. like, bring it back to be more nice. <laughs> I have a really good feeling about this. Yeah, but I don't know. For, for our second season, when Chelsea and I met at the beginning to be, like, what do we want, like everything we learned from season one, what do we want to do moving into season two? We were just like, wouldn't it be great if we did more interviews? Because in season one, we kept it very much like talk radio, just a free form. <laughs> hey, yeah. you know, like not like lowbrow, but <laughs> a little bit, you know, just like very conversational. I listened um, to a few of them. Yeah. yeah. I think I've actually made like half of season one. <laughs> Um, yeah, but for season two, we were just like, who would be like a big get for us? Uh Like, you know, cool female role models in the community. And, you know, for us between like science and ultimate and like work and all of those things, we're just like, Raisa is the most (laughs) intersectional (laughs) of all of those things. Um, so I like creeped you on LinkedIn. Okay. And that's fine. <laughs> so for me, I was just like, Oh, okay. I can see that you have a background in biochemistry and molecular biology. And so kind of in my professional development, like I'm curious about the people who have transitioned, um, from sort of that, like academic yep. Yep. <laughs> system background. And then I see that you're more now in like fund development and working for nonprofits things like that. Um, but of course we were both excited to talk to you about being an exceptional role model and pillar of the community. Um, <laughs> since you seems to be like you have a long history of working to fund scientific research and social innovation. Um, and last but not least, you're also the president of the Toronto ultimate club. So president of the board of the Toronto ultimate club. I don't know yeah. if we have, we feel like yeah. we have to make that. <laughs> the, board. Yeah. the tech board. The tech yeah. board. President of the tech board. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. for me, let's do, like, a long dive into your history. Okay. Uh, you want, like, my origin story? My yeah. Dream? Where do you for come sure. from? Where I come from? Tell us. Tell us. Well, I was, actually, I was born in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Whoa. Ooh, yeah. Love and, that. And then uh, my family moved to Hamilton, Ontario in, like, 1986. Uh, my parents are both, um, well, my dad's a chemical engineer, and my mom also did cancer research. So I big nerd. Yeah. So I was very much like from the get go, it's like, oh yeah, you're gonna be a doctor, like all the time. And I was just like, uh, okay, I guess that's what I'm gonna be. Uh so yeah, all through school, like, you know, heavy on the science, heavy on the math, um, you know, get good grades, go to university, like that's the goal. So I did those things. And was that like what you enjoyed or what you felt like was expected of you or uh, I think it was a combination uh, like I did enjoy it like I like I guess like I was I was good at it I was good at math and I was good at science like I took cal- like I took like advanced calculus twice in high school because no. I, Why? Liked it. <laughs> I liked it so much I know that's horrible 
Let me just let me just like cover my face here while I admit that I almost failed grade nine and ten math and just scraped by. Yeah, so. and then like yeah, I actually have like a minor in calculus from U of T yeah. um, uh, as well, like with the molecular, I guess molecular genetics um, and biochemistry. Clearly, you love so, math. Yeah. So yeah, like I, I I totally dug it. It was I was good at it. Um, I guess was always told like you know just work really hard like that's really like that's my work just just work hard if you work hard then you are you were you're bound to succeed is kind of I, I guess what I live by um, so is that your your philosophy for all those young women out there <laughs> <laughs> um no I think it's I think it's now it's a little bit more nuanced <laughs> than just work hard um but when I uh, when I finished uh, when I finished university, um, I had always been working in a research lab because like my mom worked for against research. So like like throughout my whole entire undergrad, I was always in a research lab, and it's actually I met my husband um, at a research lab at the Jervinsky Cancer Center. Uh, and oh, wait wait wait! Pause pause pause! <laughs> Tell us about this me cute. <laughs> well, um, so he's two years older than me, so he had started his master's degree, and I was just always coming in as like the like a summer student in undergrad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I didn't really, we didn't, we, uh, I had like a long-term boyfriend all through university, uh, and I didn't really think anything, um, of Adam, uh, and then one day we went to a party and I gave him a ride home and that was essentially it. Uh, that was the moment where you were like, this is the one? Not really. It was more just like we hooked up and then, uh, the next day we hooked up again and then we're just like, okay, um, well, like, your mom works where I work, so can we keep this on the DL? I'm like, that's fine. I was all like, you know, like, I don't know what I'm doing, so whatever. This is just whatever. Like, I wasn't, I was really trying to not have a serious relationship. And then, so for a whole year, we go through this, like, essentially spending time with each other, like, every other day. And I'm like, uh, I think we're in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone there. Yeah, I think, I think it's happened. Um, uh, but I was also, I was moving, I was moving back to Toronto because I, um, I wanted to do more, like, I want to go back to U of T. Uh, and Adam was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. So he actually broke up with me. <gasps> and then like three months later, uh, he... I guess he had figured out what he wanted to do. Ends up that he was also going to Toronto um, to take like the like Humber program in clinical in clinical research, clinical management. Do you feel like any part of that was influenced? By uh, you? <laughs> it's possible, um, though. I, I I don't know where else that program was, so <laughs> it could also be coincidental. But uh, yeah, so. He caught, like so. It, it just so happens he was in Nova Scotia when I guess he came to this epiphany and found out that he was um, going to be he was getting into this Humber program. Comes back home, he calls me over. He's like, "Hey, have dinner with me." I'm like, "Cool." He professes undying love to me, and then we essentially like move in with each other, move to Toronto, and then have been living with each other ever since. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 what are we coming into now for your anniversary this year? Oh, okay. So it'll be uh, 15 years. Yeah. Like in March, um, it'll be 10 years married in May. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this yeah. is a. Uh... Truly modern love story. I'm like ready to auction this <laughs> to film. <laughs> Your life is gonna be it's gonna be the racist story. Yeah, the racist story. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also think it's interesting to note, maybe only interesting to me, that you are an East Coast 
person, I guess. That's where you were born. You said yeah. you were born in Halifax? Yeah. Yeah. So you're an East Coast born. I am very much Toronto born and Dara is very much Vancouver born so we are oh, spanning the whole country nice. right now which is kind of neat we, we, we just Canada. went national I, know, that's kind of, <laughs> I just think that's kind of cool I mean, yeah. I mean maybe that's kind of the geography lame nerd maybe that's like Toronto being the epicenter of yeah you all came to me well U of T yeah. and Toronto is the center of the universe well you yeah. are an attractor it's true yeah, yeah. Chelsea no. <laughs> specifically Toronto secondary. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but you know, it, it, it must be so. It must be. Um, did you also go to U of T? I did. And you're now at U of T, and I went to U of T. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! U of T. The world is very small. Yeah, yeah, it might be. U of T brings everybody together as well. I don't know. It creates awesome women. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. And frisbee. Yeah. And frisbee. Yeah. And frisbee. And frisbee. And frisbee. Yeah. It makes you play frisbee. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you not only studied at U of T, you then went on to work for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> at the I, university. I did. Um, yeah. So when I uh, was kind of at a, like a crossroads of like, what do I do with my life? Uh, I started volunteering at Sunnybrook Foundation. Uh, and in the tax receiving department well, um, yeah. of the foundation. So, like, <laughs> talking, like, I went, like, way bottom down because um, I guess, you know, like, coming out of academia, I'm just like, huh, like, I don't have these other skills that, uh, you know, that are, like, that are important, like, you know, in, in more of, the, like, business or, I guess, like, foundation uh, jobs. So, anyways, I, I was in the tax receiving department uh minding my own business and then Sunnybrook was launching a capital campaign because they wanted to build the Sunnybrook Research Institute and like a light bulb kind of flashed in my head I'm just like hey uh so you can just ask people for money to like fund your research because all I knew was grants Mm -hmm. um of course now you know go forward like 15 years later I kind of say like I can't stand grants but anyways um at that time all I knew was grants and I just realized that I could just ask people for money to fund research. And I was like, okay, I'm in. What's this all about? Uh, luckily enough, um, uh, a job opened up, uh, like a coordinator position with the major gifts department. And then I essentially learned like almost everything that a person could potentially learn about fundraising, about like large capital campaigns. It was a pretty big campaign at the time. Um, I think they were trying to raise like something like $350 million. I mean, it doesn't, it pales in comparison to like U of T's 2 billion. Um, but at that time, like that was like a, a pretty large campaign. Yeah, I love that. You were kind of just, you know, fresh out in the right place at the right time, open to try things. Yeah, and I guess it was also, um, yeah, open to try things, but, you know, I guess like with the research background and like all that, all that schooling, (laughs) it was also... I I was ready to, like, I was knowledgeable. Like, I knew stuff. It might, you know, some people wouldn't consider it transferable, but I think it was because the research background is what has helped pretty much, like, the majority of my fundraising career. Mm -hmm. Because then I completely dedicated myself to fundraising for basic science because I was, I could understand what the scientists were saying and I can convert it and make it so that, like, other people could understand it and then fundraise for it. And so like, 
absolutely. And I think I just kind of like honed in on that. I'm like, oh, I can get it. Like I can, I can make this sound simple and easy and have people like want to fund like amazing research. Um, and that's, I think, yeah, that's what pretty much drove me for, for a lot of my career. So it's actually uh, really interesting because something Darren and I have spent quite a lot of time talking about is science communication, um, and how important it is and sort of how it impacts Dara's, uh, research and, and her you know presentations and things that she does. Um, and then how it impacts the whole like world, the, maybe sometimes the good science communication, sometimes the lack of good science communication. So, um, I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting that we've had so many conversations about that and that's sort of how you, <laughs> yeah. like how you were able to sort of build into the career you have now by being able to use, use that knowledge and being able to do that and then, and then have those hard conversations and make it make sense. Yeah. yeah. It's super important to have people be able to bridge that gap between the super like technical, you know, boots on the ground scientist and the people who, you know, we're doing the work for and who are often providing the money in which we're able to do that. And it's both this like duty and privilege, right? Because we often forget, I think on the scientist side and, you know, it's hard for people to know on the outside by no fault of their own, right. To say like, Oh, you know, the thing that I'm doing that feels like I'm just in this bubble or I'm in this, you know, silo. Cause that's also how it is sometimes <laughs> um, that, you know, like, I have to make this effort to actually bridge that gap yeah. and, and, and involve everyone because it's an ecosystem, right? It's not mm -hmm. just in a vacuum. So I think that the work that you're doing, Raisa, is like amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the work you're doing is amazing. I mean, I, uh, well, I, I helped to start the basic science fundraising campaign, uh, part of like the faculty of medicines, mm -hmm. uh, I guess their, their boundless campaign goal. Uh, so, uh, I'm really familiar with Terrence Donnelly, the yeah. Terrence Donnelly Center, um, Leo, and I guess like all those. I like, started in 2012. Oh, okay, yeah. so interesting. Yeah, so like I like I know Brenda, um, <laughs> I know a lot of people, and also like from my days at the Canadian Institute for Advanced Research was actually my first introduction to to Brenda's work and like yeah. all the yeast work and CRISPR and and CDU and all those all those wonderful people over at U of T. You so. lost me so you've probably <laughs> lost half our listeners. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about a lot of people that work in the building that I work with and an institute that does a lot of funding for our science CIFAR. Yeah. Yeah. So what's that? Uh, so it's the Canadian Institute for Advanced Research um, and CIFAR has like 12 program areas uh, and the the biggest thing that they really try to do is bring researchers around like a certain theme um, but also they want to get like kind of cross-sectional so like they want people like who do you know say gene they like if the theme was like within genetics and they want someone in gene therapy but then they're like oh you know who's doing stuff in you know in AI, I don't know, like they just kind of like throw a whole bunch of different like people mix, like super smart, intelligent people. And then they sort of pose questions and they'll have these like meetings. I think they're like what they're quarterly or yearly. Um, they'll have these like large meetings of all these like uh, knowledgeable scientists um, and experts. And then they just have conversations and they just kind of figure out. It's like very, I guess, maybe similar to what you experienced today at that, um, yeah, at that uh, environment, like that climate change discussion, where you had like all these people who are doing work in that area come together to talk about because everybody has these different point of views. Yeah, and chances are you'll probably, uh, you know, come up with some interesting innovation out of it because so many people were participating. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
Okay, Chelsea, you are segueing into the second part of this conversation now. So, Reza, interestingly, to all of our listeners out there, uh, we uh, we actually met um, through the Toronto Ultimate Club, but now we work together. <laughs> um, so for a little bit of background in this, uh, Raisa is my boss and, uh, we work for the center for social innovation and Raisa is the director of partnerships. So why don't you tell us a bit about how you got there, um, and about what, what that's been like. Um, yeah, I guess this is sort of continuing on with like my, my life journey, my origin story. Uh, so after uh, I finished with U of T, uh, I took some time off because I wanted to, I kind of wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to see like what else, um, I guess I was just tired. It was a very hard fundraising campaign. Um, and then that's uh, one day uh, a job posting came up on uh, CSI's uh, job board for a director of communications and campaigns. And I had originally, um, I guess, walked by a CSI on Bathurst one day. And I was like, what is this place? Like, who are all these people hanging out in this lounge area looking all comfy cozy? And then, you know, discovered that it was like this really awesome co-working space. Um, so I applied for that job. I, I didn't get it, but uh, that was okay because I had also I started a consulting firm Um to just help the uh, small to medium enterprises. Just casually. Yeah, just Start, casually. Just I just like started, 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 I started my own consulting <laughs> <No big> firm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like uh, I need to make some money. I wasn't sure. working <laughs> on it. And uh, I figured, um, uh, you know, I, I know stuff about uh, raising money. So I don't know. I I figured out how to use uh, Squarespace to make my own website. Awesome. Um, and yeah, just like started, um, I just started consulting. Uh, and then that sort of led me to um, co-founding a, uh, a medical devices company with my friend Derek, which is called Cosm. And it deals in uh, female pelvic health. So anyways, from the moment that I applied to that job and didn't get it to like when I actually did start working um, at CSI and becoming the director of partnerships, uh, I just ended up, I did those things. In the middle. <laughs> in no the big middle. deal. Like I started a consulting yeah. firm and I started a, a company to help women's pelvic health. Like, yeah, minor details. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I forgot what the question was. What was that? <laughs> so you didn't actually get it the first time. I didn't. Well, the job was like, uh, it was director of communications and campaigns. The person who has it, uh, um, love him, colleague, Jamie, uh, who's actually the, the, the founder of Lead Now. Yeah. Uh, just a Lead Now, a Lead Now plug. Let me just plug here that CSI has so many really awesome people working there. In fact, I haven't started my own business and I feel very far behind. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of really cool, interesting people who've sort of like had paths where they did their own thing, started something and then kind of took their skills and, and awesomeness to CSI. I guess that's why it's such a great place. But yeah. So yeah. I didn't get the job cause it was really like, uh, communications and marketing. Um, and like, I remember in the interview, it was just like, you know, what would you do if you were to like put together like a magazine? And I'm just like, I don't know. I'd figure it out. <laughs> Real simple. <laughs> but, um, but the only reason why I applied for the job was uh, because it had it was director of communications and campaigns. I'm yeah. like, I know campaigns, like campaign. Sure, I could do campaigns. Um, it was it was okay that I didn't get the job and, and I'm actually glad that I didn't get that job. Um, but I got to meet, uh, Tanya, the CEO, uh, and we kind of kept in touch and 
I remember it was like the nicest message that she that she gave me like in telling me that I didn't get the job was just like you know um but like we believe that you're so awesome we are gonna figure out a way to work with you and then two years later I get a call it's like hey our doctor of partnerships is actually leaving would you come in and just do some consulting for a few months and then from consulting it turned into a part-time job as I was kind of like finishing off the work with um, Cosm and like some other of like the consulting gigs I took and then then they offered me full-time uh, and then yeah and then now I've just been I've been at CSI ever since even though it really has only been like it's only been over a year you were like headhunted. That's like my dream. Yeah. It's like one day I want to be able to tell people that someone picked me for a yeah. job. You know, like they, I did pick. I know you did. Just, okay, I didn't get headhunted. That's different. But you, did, you're right. You did. You did pick me. For so it's just like <laughs> me. I did. I, picked yeah, you. I did that. Yeah, I Lisa, did. tell them how that happened. I did pick you. How did that happen? How did I pick you? Yeah. Uh, well, basically, I think we maybe met three times. Really, just through yeah, board meetings. So I did didn't really know you um though we did have a conversation I remember we had like a sit-down conversation to talk about you taking on like um the like the chairing the HR committee yeah when you met me at my um sorry, my last job yeah. yeah and I was I don't know when you told me you're just like oh yeah like I you know I had like I'm, I'm leaving Empower they're letting like they're letting you go I guess. Well, I, yeah, I had told you at that time I wanted to quit and then yeah. I thought they were gonna let me go and then in January they let me go yeah um yeah, and I was just like, oh, hey, um, I'm looking for a partnerships coordinator. Uh, you should apply. And I just, like, kind of sent you all the information. Nudged me through yeah. the process. <laughs> the Gentle process. nudges through the process. Uh, and then, yeah, and then, I mean, you did everything that I asked, like, everything that I put, like, I guess, like, all the other candidates through. Um and and you interviewed like you interviewed super well. Uh, you interviewed like it was myself and my colleague Jamie, the director of communications and campaigns. <laughs> um, and and yeah, no, I just uh, what I tell people that I have really enjoyed, even though you've only been there for a month, that I've really enjoyed um, having you around because uh, I just really love your energy. Because sometimes the work can like in fundraising, like it can it can be like. I don't want to say it's like grueling, but like there's a lot of stuff and there's so much engagement. Uh, and it's just nice to have like a positive person to work with so that it's sort of like, I don't know, it just like counterbalances that. And you're just like, okay, okay, we're going to do this. And since like, you have a very similar, like, let's go, we're going to mm. go get them kind of attitude. Uh, it just, it makes it easy. So I'm blushing. there you go. No. Yeah. Uh, for the listeners, Chelsea is all hands over the eyes monkey emoji. Right yeah. <laughs> This is actually something that I was going to bring up in a future episode, but we'll talk about it now. Accepting compliments is really hard. I have always really struggled with it. And having somebody say like all these nice things about me is like, feels really good, but it's also like hand over eyes, cover Uh, face. Like what do you do? (laughs) I learned recently. The thing that you do is you say, thank you. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. Is that all it takes? Yeah. Risa, thank you. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's, um, I think it is truly female to be, bad at receiving compliments or praise or acknowledgement of being seen, like literally seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we're so used to being invisible. And so it shouldn't be ever that you are like negating the compliment or being like, no, like no problem. Or like, you know, whatever to that. It's just being like, 
Thank you. So when I appreciate I, that. When I was, uh, now that we're discussing this, when I was younger, I, um, right out of university, I got a job with uh, Free the Children. And I was very excited. It was such a cool job. I was so, so, so excited. Uh, and then I, I went and did a few weeks of it. And um, at one of the things I did, it was like a week long um, like camp where you help out and teach the kids about social justice. Uh, one of the times the director was upset with me and said I shouldn't have done something that I did. Basically, I gave feedback to somebody who asked me for feedback. I had just graduated teacher's college. He did a presentation. He asked me for feedback. And I think my words were, I think you did great. You did a great job. That's pretty much what I said. And then I, I got feedback about how I am too new to be giving feedback. So it was like, you're too new. You shouldn't give me feedback. And I was like, okay. And then I was really upset because the week had been really emotional and stressful. And everyone was kind of mean to me. It was very hipster. Nobody wanted to be my friend. Like I felt really left out. So I kind of was like really upset. And when I get upset, I cry. And so I like looked up and was like looking away from her and kind of not making eye contact. Cause I was definitely crying and I was trying to kind of hold it in. And afterwards they, when they, they like let me go in the probation period and they were like, well, we, th we think you lack humility. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't really, yeah. And I was like, I don't really see, see why you think that. But then I was like, well, maybe she thought I was like being rude at, cause I was just upset a lot. So maybe I was like, I found it hard to make eye contact with her. Cause she stressed me out. So I was often like looking away or crying. And I don't know if that translated as me, like not being like a being polite or whatever it was, but they told me that I lacked humility. So that stuck with me really hard. Cause it's the first time I ever got like fired really. Um, and I really wanted the job. So it, I, everything I've ever done from then has been like, you're learning right now. You need to be humble. You need to like show that you're not full of yourself. You need to show that. Like, so that's why I think like receiving that kind of feedback is hard because I'm like, no, 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 you're humble. No, no, no. You have to, you have to have humility. You can't, you can't seem that way. So maybe that just like ruined me in a way, but yeah, I've like thought since then I'm like, Oh, like what, what is humility? Is it like, what does that even look like? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't either know. But mostly, that's BS. I'm sorry to happened to you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, because I can objectively say that you're awesome. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, so that's why I'm like, oh, what is, how to take compliments hard. You know, it's like, ugh, you know, yeah. I'm just working hard. You know, it's just, you know, day to day. But anyway, yeah. So that's something that maybe as females, we can all try to across the board, just like be more comfortable with saying like, yeah, I'm freaking awesome. Yeah. I'm cool. I'm good. You're freaking awesome. Thanks, Reese. You're freaking awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so uh, no, <laughs> I want to, Oh, okay. I was asking yeah. to move on, but yeah. 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 Wait, just, I did want to pivot back because <laughs> for our listeners, what kind of work does CSI do? <laughs> oh, awesome. awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, CSI, yes, it is a co-working space, but um, uh, our real mission is to catalyze, inspire, and support social innovation. Uh, this is through, uh, you know, providing, like, the tools, resources uh, needed for those within our community to succeed. We have a lot of, like, social entrepreneurs, um, and and, you know, if they need like funding, we have a we have like a micro loan fund that they can apply to if they need workshops like about fundraising or how to write grants like we can we have the network to connect them to that. Um, if, you know, for example, if you have a, an extreme focus in climate solutions, we have an accelerator for you. So um, we. We do a lot of that work. Um, we also do a lot of, I guess, um, or we're moving a lot into uh, community uh, 
community engagement and really trying to go into more desperate areas of a community and, and connecting with them. So we opened up uh, purposely a location in the Regent Park area about five years ago. Um, and only now are we seeing like, the real benefit that we're having with the people who are coming in and like we can help and connect people who can find jobs. And um, Regent Park, uh, like five years ago, like, and I guess it still is very, uh, there are a lot of immigrants and, you know, it can be very hard for them to find jobs, but a lot of them who are going and spending time at CSI have now been able to connect with people that are community or members and they've been able to find work. Um, I also like to note that uh, 60% of CSI entrepreneurs are female. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like the majority of our staff is female also. Our yeah. CEO is female. We have one, two, three female directors. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. maybe two male directors, I want to say, maybe three. Um, so it's like we have a lot of female representation in our staff as well. So it's a, it's a super awesome place to work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I have definitely felt... Uh, happier uh, since working at um, at CSI. Uh, it just it just works with it just works with me. Like um, I have the autonomy to be able to do. Um, I, I don't want to say anything that I want to, <laughs> but um, I I have the autonomy to use my skills mm -hmm. to the fullest potential and set the projects that I want to do and make them succeed. And the environment is just very, it's just very enriching and, in, and positive. Um, and everybody is always there to support you. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if there's any listeners out there who are looking to, you know, either start some kind of nonprofit or become a social entrepreneur, um, or feel like you are a social entrepreneur, you should come check us out at CSI. It's a super amazing uh, space to, to work out of and to learn and develop. And, um, so many great projects have come out of it. And so if you're one of those people who has a great idea, there are people out there to help you make that idea a reality. Yeah. We also throw really, really awesome parties. Super awesome parties. <laughs> cool. Yes. Actually, the partnerships department is leading a, a, a special engagement event in June. So you are more than welcome. <laughs> you representing your science community. Much science. Much science. Much science. So wait, what did you feel was like the biggest shift from work you had done prior to CSI or work you'd done like up to U of T and then post U of T? Um, uh, I wasn't myself. Mm. I wasn't my genuine self. Um, I always felt that I was doing exactly what people were telling me to do or what I like. I just assumed that I was supposed to be doing um, in that role. Um, you know, I kind of always think of like, you know, like, faceless people walking, you know, on the street and like, you know, that's just kind of how it felt. Um, but when I just sort of decided, I'm like, okay, like enough of people telling me like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, and would people literally say that to your face? Um, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> one person not naming names, uh, told me that, um, they don't believe that I could ever become a, a fundraising officer. Um, and I was just like, okay. So I became a senior development officer, uh, part of the biggest, uh, you know, campaign in Canadian history. So there. <laughs> so yeah, we did that. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, just, I like, I just always believed that I could do it. I think that's, that's kind of like the biggest thing and just like never really tried not to pay attention. It's hard not to pay attention. Um, so after, 
<laughs> um, so yeah, now working at CSI and doing all that other work, um, and even I guess like you know uh, being I guess like the president of Tuck, like I just like I I do it how how I think it should be done, how uh, I believe things should go. Um, I say what I think is the right thing to say. And I don't know um, if it's not right. At least I'm not opposed to getting feedback or criticism um, from others to try and figure out how to do it better. Well, also I can speak to this with from experience. Um, you you absolutely have that mentality and all the things that you do, but you also have very much, from my experience, encouraged me to do the same. So it's it is that you have you do have like a. I think this is the way it should be done and this is how I'm going to tackle it. But when you give other people things to do or when you encourage others to join in, you say, how do you think it should be done? You do it how you think it should be done. So you've empowered me even to like, you know, send emails the way I want to send emails. And, um, you know, uh, when I was working with hiring staff for Tuck, you were very supportive and like, what do you think is the right way? You interviewed these people, you went through this, like make decisions. So I, I do think you definitely have that perspective, um, that perspective, but you've also encouraged others around you to have the same perspective and everyone to sort of, oh, yeah, I guess a lot of that also comes from just like my working career. Like when people told me like, um, uh, oh, you shouldn't write an email like that. You know, like I literally had people because like, you know, I'm not giving off the right tone, you know, like, um, and I was just kind of like, you know, I actually don't think I could offend anybody the way that I write emails to be quite frank. <laughs> no, there's nothing. You're like the smiliest person. Um, but yeah, like, you know, there are definitely people who, you know, throughout your life who will kind of always like push you down and stuff like that. And um, again, going back, like just believing in yourself, um, you know, also having like people who believe in you, like too, like definitely, definitely helps. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of like, I guess when, I guess when I'm working with you, Chelsea, uh, all those things that I say, they come from like, I hated it when somebody did that to me. Mm. So I'm kind of like, I am not going to do that to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just, uh, I don't know, like it's, I remember how it felt when somebody said that mm -hmm. to myself. I'm just like, why would I do that to you? And, and also just the realization that there are so many different ways of doing things. Like, you know, yeah, sure. Like I, I say, oh, it's going to happen this way, you know, based on my own experiences. And, you know, maybe because I think it's easier for me. Um, but it's not like there aren't other ways. Like there are so many ways. Like you should go from point A to point B. It could be a straight line. It could be a zigzag. It could be... You know, it could, you can just jump over B and go to C. <laughs> so where do you think, have you always had this really strong belief in yourself or like, where does the fire come from? Um, have you always just been this badass? <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like, uh, um, I think so. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> I would always get in trouble at home. Like I was never doing the right thing at home. The only thing that I could say that I was ever doing right was like getting good grades and like, you know, being part of sports teams. Um, you know, that would always be kind of like my defense. Like I would get in trouble and I'd like tell my parents, I'm just like, but I'm getting good grades. Like, what do you want from <laughs> what me? Else do you know? Want? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, why can't I, you know, I mean, granted, like there, like I have some pretty funny stories about, uh, <laughs> about my, you weren't a perfect child. Yeah. I mean, 
wonder that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely was it. Um, but yeah, I was always, yeah, I always just kind of, I just always wanted to do my own thing. And yes, it probably always got me in trouble. Like even little science fair projects, I'll just like, well, okay, you say do it like this. And I'm like, I don't want to grow beans in a pot. Like I want to grow flowers and water. Let's see if that works. <laughs> That's what you actually did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You said that with, like, a a tone of experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess part of me is, part of me, like, especially these days, I'm like, fuck, I just don't give a fuck (laughs) what other people think. Um, you know, not to say that I totally, like, I absolutely have insecurities, uh, but the majority of the time, like, when I'm kind of, like, in my zone doing, you know, doing the thing that I know how to do, um, you know, I just... I do not give a fuck what other people think. <laughs> I love that this too has come from like, you weren't always in a place that like supported that mentality, mm-hmm. I guess. So it's almost like, you know, it speaks to sort of, it's good to go through experiences that don't always allow you to be that way. Cause then it maybe even more so develops it, but then it's even better when you get to a space where it's like, you know, like CSI where you're allowed to have that mentality and it's in fact encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. I I would also say, and this like is a very personal note, even though I guess for the tough community, um, my support of mental health, like I've experienced, I've experienced depression like several times in my lifetime. Um, so when I've come out of it, it's always with like this kind of like, you know, vigor of like, all right, like we need to crush life, you know? Cause I'm just like, I got out of it. Oh my God. It was so gross and devastating. And so I just kind of like, I just go, I'm just like, okay, we're going to do, we're going to live. Yeah. We're just going to live. Yeah. And that's like, that's it. And that's why, that's why I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> that's why I work in an organization that respects, respects me for that. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that's why I just feel okay to just starting companies because why the hell not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm emotional up in here. Um, no, but that speaks so real to to us, and I think what both Dara and I have been going through. Um, I mean, I think we we too have had our own mental health challenges recently. Um, I, from personal experience, I've had a lot of anxiety recently and a lot of stress. And uh, um, we've talked about this previously on the podcast with some like physical health things that have now translated to mental health issues. Uh, and so, for for me particularly, um, I stretch myself pretty thin in my life. I like to like make myself very very busy and like I don't say no a lot. It often makes me feel overworked, but it also makes me feel useful and valuable. So it's like a, it's like a trade off. Um, and being now with CSI versus my old job is like if such a tangible difference in feeling worked but productive and good instead of feeling worked and therefore sad and stressed and frustrated. So it's like a yeah. complete shift for me. Yeah, and I think it's really important to highlight that, you know, we are interviewing you because of all these amazing, you know, point by point things that we see on your CV and all the things that you've done for the community, but that's not to say you like you're human, right? Because you can be amazing and you can believe in yourself, but of course you can have insecurities. You can have, you know, struggles with mental health. Like that's the whole package. Yeah. Like it creates that (laughs) full round picture of what a person is. Like it's, you know, you're Raysa and you're this and you're this and you're this and you're, you know, you're badass and you're tech president and you're a director and you're also someone who acknowledges mental health concerns and has struggled yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're also a person who plays sports and you're, you know, you're so many things. And that's um, really, I mean, I think that would speak to any person out there, female or male, just that 
what's capable, like what you're capable of and what's possible is goes beyond or encompasses everything that you are. Right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the other thing I would add is just, um, I really try to like, just be as empathetic as possible. Like, uh, you know, like, well, okay, you're hearing like all about me right now and like everything that, you know, like my, like my career, like my life, what's kind of got on. And they're all, str- they're, there's all struggles throughout like the whole entire like journey. Um, and I just always lean on empathy because like, I know heart was for me to do something. So, you know, when I like, when I just like see other people or I communicate with them, I, I just try to think like, okay, what could they be going through? Or like someone sends me a really shit email and I'm kind of like, okay, well, like, are they really sending me a shit email because like they think I'm shitty? I'm like, no, they're probably sending me a shit email because they feel shitty, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of like let it go. Like, you know, I guess that also kind of leads to like, don't dwell, <laughs> try not to dwell um, on all the little things because there are so many things to dwell on. Sounds like you got a game plan. Oh, frisbee. <laughs> yeah, frisbee. Let's talk about frisbee. Yeah. So, press. Okay, wait. Question. Yeah. So, what does the tuck board even do? <laughs> Who even are they? Uh, Who even are they? So, um, as it is, uh, we hold very much the strategic vision, and we, uh, as a board, um, deploy and I guess, uh, give power to our executive director to go fulfill that mission. Um, so the, like the executive director and, and the team of staff will do a lot of like the operations, manage a lot of the administration, um, of the different leagues, events, things like that. Um, and they do all that and, you know, hopefully pushing all the boundaries to, um, to achieve all the all the metrics that the board has decided um, are you know what we want to see. So that is what the board does. Uh, what does the board literally do? Literally do. <laughs> yes. The board more. literally uh, right now. Um, right now, Tuck's board is a very involved board um, of volunteers, and uh, we heavily are supporting, I would say, um, our staff at this time uh, to be able to do all the operation and administration um, of the organization. You guys are also all elected volunteers? Elected in a sense, yeah. We are are, um, voted in um, by the membership um, at our AGM. Our annual general meeting. Yes, our annual general meeting. um, And each person... Each uh, director um, has a two-year term. And so every year, uh, the way it's staggered, at least half of the directors um, will leave and be replaced, Um, even though uh, most of the time, I have to say, it is hard to find volunteers who who are willing to do the work that does happen at the board level um, because it does take up a lot of time. Um, I would say personally at the moment, Oh my God. It's like a part-time job. <laughs> yeah, it is very I, much like a part-time job. I've heard a lot of how much work yeah. goes into this voluntary position. Yeah. It's been a lot. And to, to sort of raise this point, 
every two years you come up like to be, um, to theoretically lead the board, but a lot of people, uh, get voted back in. Um, so you don't necessarily are, you're not always leaving, uh, which is good because it means we have returning board members who know what's going on. But, um, it also means sometimes that people stick around a really long time. And then I have found personally from just entering, I am very like excited about it and very gung ho. And I think race and I are on the same page there where we're like, let's get stuff done. Let's do. And then because we're so excited and we really want to get stuff done, um, we're like, Wait, Chelsea, are you also on the tuck board? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm also on the tuck board. I'm not the president or anything executive. I'm just a board member. But, uh, yeah, I am also on the tuck board. Yes. Um, She chairs our uh, human resources uh, committee, um, which is actually very active right now. So... uh, it definitely is taking up a lot more of Chelsea's time. And that's kind of sometimes the ebb and flow when it comes to different board roles. Like right now we're heavy on, on hiring. So HR will come into play, you know, hopefully, you know, within a few months, we won't be hiring. And then, you know, she could just concentrate on maybe making making random HR policy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or looking into health and wellness benefits. Yeah. <laughs> is this the position that you came in on? Um, yeah. So this is my second year. So this is like the, the last year of my term. Um, in my first year, uh, I was voted in and I became the vice president. And I also held governance and HR which I'm not going to recommend to people that they take on two portfolios, but I didn't think at the time they were going to be so active. <laughs> I will echo that. Nobody told me that. I mean, I knew HR would be something, but I didn't know it'd be as active. Yeah. Can you, can you speak more to that in terms of like someone as a member who is just like, Oh, the board. What is, what do they do? <laughs> yeah. So why I, was it so busy? It's so after now. So if we were talking about board governance, uh, I would say that Tuck's board, uh, like I said before, is a very active board. We are less a policy board, which is where I believe the Tuck board should eventually go. But because of where our staffing um, is right now um, for the organization, uh, Definitely, the board is charged with ensuring that Tuck continues, and so uh, that is why is it is taking up so much more time. Right. I guess I I, I do want to hear a little bit more on like the tangible like deliverables a little bit too, just so there's. I feel sometimes there is this feeling from the member side of there being a lot of opaqueness mm-hmm. with the boards and like the inner workings and all the behind-the-scenes work that you guys work so hard on, but it doesn't always translate through. So can you talk more about... Because I think, like, in your first year, you did some, like, landmark things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I get, I guess so. Well, um, in my first year, uh, we didn't have a harassment policy. Um, so... Uh, Which is... Uh, y- y- <laughs> what? <laughs> no harassment policy you for know, a club with mixed policy. sports? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... Th- the harassment policy, like, like we, like, um, policies, as I kind of, like, look at them, are, um, they're sort of rules, but they're also sort of processes and procedures for which, like, the board will sort of react to something that could happen in, you know, within our membership. So, you know, uh, we heard, uh, you know, from our membership that, like, 
that there was harassment. There was like some genuine harassment going on that, you know, there were some people within our membership who are seeing, you know, negative derogatory comments about women. And that is something that Tuck, we, we don't stand for that. We are zero tolerance when it comes to stuff like that. But the board, um, we didn't have a way to be able to like sort of uh, deal with that because we didn't have a policy. Right. And so, I think also super importantly, there was no recourse for the members at that point either. Yeah, exactly. Same so thing. like, so without a policy, like there's no way to sort of figure like, okay, what do we do? How do we deal with this? What's the process? And then what's the penalty? Um, so yeah, I guess like in my first year, like literally I think in the first like two months, it was like, all right, uh, it, we need a harassment policy because without one, it also, I believe it was absolutely making the membership feel that they couldn't, they couldn't say anything because they didn't know who to go to or like what the process was or like if they would be heard or if anything would happen. Right. And so, yeah, that's why the, the harassment policy was so important with this situation. Yeah. Could you guys briefly go over what the steps are right now? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, this is like offhand, <laughs> offhand. Um, but uh, really, you know, there are there is both a um, a female and a male representative um, that uh, anyone can talk to um, if they feel that they are being harassed or they have witnessed harassment. Um, it is uh, depending. Well, you can talk to either the female or male, whoever you're comfortable with, and those people uh, they must pursue and find out what is going on and write stuff down. Uh, if it is a very serious offense, then you go through a process of the person who is, you know, making this serious offense. They have to sort of like uh, write out a report. Um, the claims within that report will be investigated um, by uh, either the field or male rep. Um, and then, you know, that would usually involve also talking to the other party. Um, if it isn't as serious, then it could just be that the female or male rep would just talk directly to that person if that's the appropriate sort of intervention. Um, again, going back to something more serious, uh, you'll go through a whole like checking all the claims, making sure that like, you know, there's witness stories. And then it'll come down to... Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily like a, like a panel, but if it was a, a very serious offense and you had all the evidence and all the claims, it would be like the male and female representatives and also possibly the, the chair of the governance committee, because that's where this harassment policy sits, um, will look at the ev evidence and basically decide, you know, what the penalty could be if there was like something really major that was like, it was bad with, you know, and with this offender, would they leave, would they have to leave Tuck or would they be like penalized in some way? They couldn't come back for a year. Um, I guess there's sort of a variety of options. It kind of depends on the situation. Mm -hmm. Something that I wasn't aware of even before or after um, this policy came into place were incidents reports that that was an avenue in which you could just be like, you know, this person had bad spirit. <laughs> but that also is a way in which you can um, establish a pattern of behavior or, you know, anything from dangerous playing to mm -hmm. harassment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's why... Um, 
uh, like the rules on the field and incidents report incident reports, I think are very important for people to file them because they do create a story because chances are an individual is a repeat offender in some way. Um, and, and having that, it definitely provides more evidence that, you know, you know, someone could be problematic and they don't follow tough values and perhaps they should leave the club. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, oh, yeah, that player, he argues every call or, yeah, that girl, she's laid out through me three times. And and it's like, well, have you ever made a report? And the answer is always no. And it's yeah. like, well, when they do something really terrible, there will be nothing that the board can do if there's no story or picture to tell from previous actions. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't stress that enough. Like incident reports are very, very valuable for, for the board. I do want to preface, though, that like... Um the board and like through the harassment policy like uh, uh the board and the harassment policy we we aren't the police so if it is like a serious offense like uh the best thing to do is to go to the police because you know we're, we're we we aren't the police and there's only so much that we really can do if someone was you know like a really like, like a bad offender like the most that we could do is kick them out of their cl- out of the club which i think so. is still like really really huge because um that policy ensures you know safety for the vulnerable party for the community, right? This is a community that we all participate in and that you are a part of. And, you know, there is some, like, philosophical social contract that we've all entered into, but it's also, like, this is where you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so kind of what that, I think that policy also deals with is, you know, behaviors on and off the field. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you are a person who is in the community with another person who feels uncomfortable with you and doesn't want to have to see you every day or be reminded of that harassment. Like those are things that we could take into account. Mm -hmm. Well, and also, I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be like we keep, as Risa said, if it is a crime, we would urge anyone to report it to the police because we aren't the police. But if it's something that isn't, you know, police reportable, like if people are, if someone's making a rape joke, that's not technically illegal. There are a lot of things you can do or say that are not illegal, but that are horrifically offensive and, you know, hurt people and can frustrate them or whatever the case is. Those are the kinds of things I would urge people to report because those are the kinds of things that we can take action on. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We have files. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to say though, that like tangibly in terms of what the board does, we meet a lot. (laughs) We have board meetings, (laughs) we discuss things that are going on in the club, and then we meet with our individual committees and those members as well. So if you're not prepared to be a board member, but you'd like to be involved in another way, you can join a committee. For example, if you're interested in, um, how women are being involved in the club, we have a women's committee. If you're interested in how the club is governed, we have governance committee. If you're interested in picking how leagues are decided and running the club at that level we have operations committee whatever you're interested in there is a committee for you um if you're interested all that information is available on the website but um there are other ways to be involved and and so as board members we both meet at board meetings and also run our uh, our committees as well on that level so it's a lot of meeting and talking <laughs> and hopefully more action <laughs> getting stuff done getting, yeah, stuff, getting done. stuff done we yeah. try and We're sometimes it's it. it's all in the way that you facilitate a meeting <laughs> <laughs> Risa is a fantastic 
fantastic meeting facilitator. When things are going off topic, she's the first person to say, okay, shut up. <laughs> we're talking about this now. We're, we're back on track. Uh, it's great. It's really great. We, we do get a lot done. Yeah. Yeah. In 90 minutes, we keep them to 90 minutes. We never go over. Not, not once yet. <laughs> I have never heard of that. Yeah, no. It, that's <laughs> our operations committee meeting was three hours. So, so yeah, I did, um, student government for like the University of Toronto Graduate Students Union. I was like president for a couple of like two to three years um, for the Donnelly Center. Nice. Um, and how did I not notice about you? <laughs> and I went to so many monthly GSUs, not to mention so many AGMs for the GSU. And it was just like keeping something to 90 minutes when people like are able to take the floor, when it's like, you know, hundreds of departments being representing thousands of graduate mm-hmm. students. It's just like they would go on for hours yeah. and out, like three to four hours. Like, and you're doing this on like a Wednesday evening. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're just like, why, why is it 9 PM? And we're listening to like, you know, if I hear one more person go up to the mic and be like, hi folks, Brad here. <laughs> <laughs> So, So 90 minutes, like, blows my mind. (laughs) We're also working with a much smaller group. But yes. But we have a lot of strong voices on the board, so there is something to contend with. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's okay, though. Yeah. Like, strong voices. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, hopefully we've painted a lovely picture of Risa, especially how amazing she is, her qualifications. (laughs) So, if anyone's curious to know who the tech president is or where this person's qualifications are from... Rest assured, so quality. <laughs> Very much on the ball. Yeah. Yeah, so you have a great person representing you at your club. Um, if you're somebody who works in social innovation, you have a great person uh, to reach out to for a partnership. Um, and really just an all-around amazing human being. Raisa, we can't thank you enough for chatting with us today and sharing your story. And um, even, you know, being a bit vulnerable with us, we really, really appreciate that. Um, we, we too both know how hard that can be. So uh, thank you. Thank you, both of you, so much. So, Risa, we'll see you on the field. Yeah, we'll see you on the field. You can find us many places on the internet at our website, semiprotoronto.com, on Facebook at semiprointo, on Twitter at semiprotoronto. And you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found.